0: Welcome back, Scoop Podcast, with your lovely host, Scoopin' Scoops. Today I have a special guest, Mr. D. Lee for three. Glad to have you out here, man. Appreciate you joining me today. How you doing today, bro? Sure, bro. Appreciate you. Doing pretty well, man. Looking forward to talking and chopping it up, all everything
1: Hawks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Did you catch the game yesterday? The Magic and Hawks game? Yeah.
1: Sadly, you know, it's another one of those games where the hawks failed to close out a game it was enjoyable for a few fleeting moments and then the pain Mm -hmm. came rushing back uh per
0: usual in (laughs)
2: ot but
0: yeah definitely caught it unfortunately yeah i didn't get to catch the game i wanted to know what your thoughts were like watching that game because i know the hawks were pretty depleted and have been kind of depleted the past i think two or three games so yeah I, i was i was surprised that they they uh, lost, honestly. I thought the Hawks were going to steal that one. Yeah, I mean,
1: especially when you look at the Magic, they've got a couple guys missing. I mean, Franz Wagner is missing. I think Charlie West, Jonathan Isaacs is hurt as well. So a lot of their, Gary Harris didn't play either. So a lot of their rotation guys, and of course, Franz is the most important players on the team. Even Jalen Suggs ended up fouling out too after Trey got under his skin. He was able to generate yeah. like, one of those frustration fouls. So all things considered, you know, the Magic are a great team. They've been a better team the entire season. They're a better team even when they're hurt with the way the Hawks are playing right now. But even with all that being said, like you got to handle business, especially considering that they had such a great second quarter. And mm. It's like for the one time, for the first time in a while, like the Hawks were able to execute in the fourth. Get the OT, Apollo has a lot of size, Hawks just don't have a lot of size. And, so he, and also he's been on a crazy stretch too. So yeah, it's, it's easy
0: for him to get it against a team like us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Honestly, and I, and it feels like even with that depleted team, it felt like the Maddox still had so many players that still buys into that system and it's just the next man up mentality and they just come out and execute. And he's just looking solid, honestly, going yeah, into like, like Caleb Houston. I mean, he, he averages four points per game and I think he had twenty-five. <laughs> so and that's a regular
1: occurrence as a Hawks fan. We've seen a lot of guys who are either struggling. Haven't been in the rotation. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, we struggle to make adjustments. So as someone who's probably not on the scouting report, Caleb Houston, he's a really yeah. good shooter. I wasn't even familiar with his game, but very smart with pick and pops, through screens, screen, sort of just making that tiny bit of contact before popping open for, for that three. And that's when the Hawks struggle to guard anyway. So I had to watch that over and over again. Uh, there's also, <laughs> like there's a key play where Trey helped off the strong side corner on Apollo Drive and you leave open yeah. the guy who's six threes. It's It's just like, it, it could be CTE basketball at times, also just like not the the first round. <laughs> it's just, it's really frustrating, honestly. But I think when you put guys into a new defensive system, which is what Quinn's asking them to do, and then yeah. you're missing, you're missing one of your more physical defenders and DeAndre Hunter. It's just, it's been, it's been hard for you know. And there's a lot of guys that should be better, like Bay He's probably the worst defender on the team, and that's that just can't happen.
0: So yeah, actually, yeah. Now that you now that you say that, I forgot DeAndre Hunter was out. Was, did he miss? How many games has he missed?
1: He's missed a couple of games. He had a knee surgery, like, I want to say two or three years ago, and every so often, and, like, he'll have some soreness flare up. He needs, like, another cleanup procedure. Yeah. So, I think he's he's been out for at least a week and a half. I think he last played against the Cavs. But when you take a team that doesn't have size in the first place and you take, like, really, really one of their only physical wing defenders, that's going to be detrimental. So,
2: we, yeah, we feel that against a it. strong,
0: a strong, powerful team, like the Magic in
1: particular,
0: but, you know, we don't offer resistance in the first place. So. Yeah, that's true. Actually, about that, I wanted to know how you started being a Hawks fan, honestly.
1: Yeah, so my family is from Buffalo, and my parents ended up, well, they they knew each other, and then they ended up meeting to work for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So that was in 96, and they've been here since. Oh, wow. And then so my dad got really involved with the sports teams in the area. So at first, he was working for the Braves, and then he started working for the Hawks, where he still works today. So I've been around Hawks games since I was a kid, so it was just kind of like passed down to me. I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) <laughs> so during those oh, real wow. tough years You know what I'm saying Like I was still a diehard You know Even now You know Still gonna be a diehard I can't give up My love for the team No matter how much pain yeah. It costs me But you know it was, it was <laughs> just
2: because
0: I live in Atlanta for real Okay that, that makes sense Honestly I know how you feel man Because I'm a I'm a trailblazers fan I'm mm-hmm. not from Oregon I'm actually from Alexandria, Virginia Okay But Dang, It's ac- it's, oh, actually just, it's actually a fun It's actually funny story man. Yeah All my teams that I support All the sports are just like all over the place because I just have like some random story of why I mess with them, particularly the Trailblazers. I remember when I first started getting into playing 2K, uh, 2K14, I was going to either be a Clippers fan or a Trailblazers fan because I was so bad at 2K, I got drafted late and (laughs) I went undefeated. Yeah, I I went undefeated with the Trailblazers in 2K14, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like this team. And then Damian Lillard ended up being my favorite player because the dude I was playing alongside of was just hitting a whole bunch of threes. And I was like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And I looked him up. And I was like, oh, that's Damian Lillard. I'm like, OK, cool. Like this guy's actually pretty decent. Because I think at the time, it was like 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't playing like the that current year's 2K. But I was saying that he was he was already hooping. So I was like, all right, let me just be a a little bit of a bandwagon. That's dope. And I just started supporting him. Yeah, that's it. I like where you guys are right now, honestly. Yeah, I, I do too because I, I definitely I definitely felt it coming. Like when Damien was – when he left, I felt it coming. Mm-hmm. But I was glad that he at least went to a team that's going to try to bring him some success. But I just don't know, bro. like the Bucks. Oh my goodness! The Bucks have been annoying me, and they, they're scaring me. They're scaring me for that when playoffs come around. Because regular season, I don't really care, but it's like exploiting their defensive capabilities, and I'm just, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that they just they're gonna fall short, and that Dan is gonna get some slander, and I gotta deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because I was just reading an article about
1: that, but basically the Bucks when they brought in that new coach, uh, Adrian Griffin, he brought, mm-hmm. he brought a new defensive system, and you know. Brooke and Giannis, like, you know, the captains of the defense, they was basically like, man, this shit is not working. Let's go back to the old system. Yeah. But the problem is Adrian Griffin brought in a whole new staff, so no one knows how to effectively coach that same system that Bud was running. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you have the personnel issues when you're starting Malik Beasley next to Damian Lillard. Like, those Pacers games are really – those were a hard watch, I'm sure, for Bucks fans because it's – Yeah. That drop coverage can't do anything. against gets a skilled point guard. Guys are dying on screens. Dame is just sitting there with his feet in cement yeah <laughs> they've got they've got some real defensive issues that I don't think will really be solved internally you know because Marjan and Andre Jackson they're both capable defenders but they're they're pretty much negative offensive players at this point and you need that spacing around Giannis so they've got a tough equation to solve I think probably that's the team that I'll be looking to I think they'll probably be looking to make a trade at some point maybe for someone like Alex Caruso depending on how the bull season goes but yeah, they, they need a defender next to Dane for sure
0: because the core yeah. four is there. They just need a defender in that lineup. Yeah, because the, the way they're losing all these quote-unquote easy games or just against subpar teams or just letting people run up points on them, it's not looking good for them. Because even, cause I'm not very familiar with their offense, if I'm being honest, but this is surprising to me to see how Dane is being utilized on that team compared to... To how he was used on the uh, trailblazers obviously he was their number one option before and now Giannis is their number one option but sometimes I feel like they're not using him to his full capability knowing like the type of ability this man has I just feel like they just use him like a corner sitter mm-hmm. yeah I've seen him in seen space for him a couple of times and
1: I'm personally to believe that like Giannis the ball in his hands isn't necessarily the I mean maybe in transition but in the half court I'd much rather see him like do handoffs or working the, in the yeah. role with Middleton or, or Lillard but and I think, you know, sometimes you got to defer to him, you know, because it is his team. But I think anytime that he doesn't have the ball in his hands is probably not the best use of a possession. Like it probably should be flowing through him. Uh, but I mean, also he is getting a little old too. Like I'm not saying he regressed per se, but yeah, I don't, he's coming off his best season statistically, which is I think interesting. So, and yeah, he was, he was incredible that last season. But he was so good last season that like, I don't really think he's he's dropped off necessarily, but just more so like, you're still he's still in that um, figuring it out stage with Giannis. Like you're trying to play off a really ball dominant scorer. Honestly, at times, so because when Giannis decides he wants to take over the game, you know, yeah, he just he goes straight is, in right. that room and plays him. He's football gonna football. go and run half
0: back dive. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is true. So I definitely because I look at it like this: being a Trailblazers fan, obviously I'm gonna stick stick with my team. But if Bucks go to the finals, do their thing. I win either way. My favorite player gets a ring, and then my and then my team gets to develop. But watching them show the game sometimes, oh, my gosh, bro. I never thought I'd be back at the same point where I'm just watching, like, crash out basketball and just seeing us <laughs> drop so many games. Yeah, but honestly, I think, like, out of any of the teams that are, besides Utah maybe,
1: uh, any of the teams that are, quote-unquote, uh, tanking or rebuilding, I think mm-hmm. Portland is the most dangerous on a night-to-night basis because Ant is really, like, I think he's honestly one of the most combustible scorers in the NBA. Like, he's not going to, cons- well, I just feel like at any point he's liable to go off. Like, I'd probably put him up to yeah. guys, like, who are just, on any given night could give you 30 to 40 just because mm. he's such a great pull-up shooter. And I think between him, uh, Sharp, and, and Scoot, like, you got a really, really solid guard rotation for the next 10 to 15 years, you know, if if they make that decision. But also... I do think there's a little bit of – I wasn't the biggest biggest fan of the Aiden trade just because I don't – I've never really been high on Aiden. I know it's like a Balo trade, mm-hmm. but I saw some numbers with Aiden and Reith and, like, how much better Shaden was with Reith on the court as opposed to Aiden because Aiden refuses to set hard screens. Like, things like that. Like, just tell me about his effort level.
0: Yeah, because I, 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 I wanted to be, like, a believer because I, I, I truly felt like Aiden can be do- extremely dominant, but I know last playoffs – the effort thing really showed up against the Nuggets. The Nuggets series in particular, Aiden just loves to watch the ball bounce off the rim and just watch it go in the air and just let somebody else grab it. He just, and it's like, damn, bro, you're, you're right there. Just grab the rebound, secure it, you know, get another possession, move the ball. And it's, I don't know, I don't understand. Like, I know I may not be the best basketball player, but if I'm seven foot and I see the ball and I know, like, I'm... You know, a little strong I'm gonna grab it, pass the ball around, move around, like use use my physicality. I'm just like, damn, bro, there's there's no way your effort is so low that you don't wanna play. Because it, it he will have one game where you're like, Yeah, this guy's solid. And then the next game is just like, oh, what is this dude doing? Because I, I definitely am a believer in duo. He has such a great frame. I definitely believe like Aiden is like he has like the, the perfect physical tools
1: you would want from the center. He's got a nice touch. Yep. He could play physical when he wants to. It's just always been a mindset
0: thing for him. Yeah. And I don't even know who can unlock that for him. Because if they they bring the effort out of him, I'm telling you, Trailblazers are unstoppable. Because Anthony, I like I I knew once Dame left, Anthony is going to be that go-to yeah. guy. Because I feel like people don't really rate him high because he's on the trailblazers. He was like, you know, in Dame's Shadow. Yeah. But those years that he spent. Developing his game behind him, just watching him and CJ play, he's. I feel like he's real, a real good mix of both of those players. Mm-hmm. He can finish, finish at a high level, and his three point is lethal. So, but I, the only thing I see that could be an issue moving forward, is I, I just know that the Trailblazers are just they love they know how to draft guards. He's mm-hmm. like never been a problem of the draft guards, develop guards. It's just who are we going to pick out of all the guards we have to, for the long run? And right now, I, I don't see it as a big issue because I think we got down the, the starting lineup we want to go with because yeah. I was still going back and forth between starting Scoot or having Scoot come off the bench. Mm-hmm. And I know he had, he had struggled in the beginning of the season. Everybody was calling him a bust. This man's 19. right? Like He's playing point guard. There's going to still be some learning curve exactly. he has to get through. And he's figured it out now due to some injuries. So he, he's gotten more reps, just was allowed to make more mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then just getting his groove. And I feel like the the starting lineup we do have now has ended up being pretty successful. Because I do like sh- do like sharp off the bench for now. Because I don't think we need to start that that three-guard lineup. Especially with Tumani actually being as valuable as he's been so far. I actually really enjoy watching him play basketball too. Because he's yeah. the defender we need. Mm-hmm. He's a joy. I mean, I think... I had said something like he's the, like the real
1: prize of the Dame trade, like just jokingly, you know, because I wasn't, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. But I've seen like there's a guy on Twitter who put out an article about how well he's been defending. He's defended the most All-Stars in the NBA, I believe, this season, which, you know, makes sense because they don't have any All-Stars on their team. So, obviously, you're going to more All-Stars. But that for him to have that defensive responsibility so early in his career, especially because considering like y'all have Matisse Leibold as well, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a special, special defender, and he just has great traits, great instincts from the film I've seen. And I think that's another guy who's, who's a part of that long-term core. Like, so there's there's a lot Absolutely. of pieces there that I think will, you know, over time like we'll look back in like five years and like, well, dang, where are the blazes coming from? Like, I think they're going to – y'all are going to pick up on a lot of people. People aren't really paying attention right now. And that Jeremy Grant contract is still like – I I think part yeah. of that was like, damn, I was, like I, I was so sure, like, okay, if they're going to commit that much bread to Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard has to be staying in Portland. And, and the next day, the next day he, you see that trade request, <laughs> and i was like i wonder like sometimes i wonder like was that what made dame ask out or is it just more so like portland was gonna was gonna commit to jeremy at, you know for any reason or at, you know whether dame would stay
2: or not yeah it gives it does I give you a tradable
0: contract though so that was pretty funny though i'm not gonna lie because I, I i think i have unconsciously removed that thought from my head of how much money we paid him because he he came to the team to not be the number one option. Right. And then he's still not the number one option, but he can be. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that they just committed so much money to a guy with that type of mentality. And it's like, uh, well, you're stuck here now. But he's he still get, like, I the would best have... job in the NBA
1: though. Like, you know, he's getting crazy bread, no expectations, he can just go out there, does yeah. like do whatever he wants.
0: Yeah. And at least but and still at the end of the day, his effort is way better than Aiden. Anything that can give. I just hope when Aiden comes back from weather whatever ankle injury he's going through. He oh, just up his mental game, bro, because, yeah. oh, my goodness, man. That is an annoying guy to watch play basketball. You can't have that tattoo on your back and not play with passion. I mean, it looks like he has slave <laughs> lashes. That's, like, it's really one
1: of the dumbest <laughs> tattoos I've ever seen. And you, you, you would think someone would, imp- you know, he's going to inflict all that pain on himself, put dominating on his back. And you think you would at least, you know, buy into the persona you're trying to live up to. So yeah. if that if there's a, like, I think on the list of maybe like my five most frustrating players to watch, he's definitely on that list. It's just like, <laughs> you have all this God given talent, so much ability. You have everything. Just just put it together mentally and he could be dominating, you know? So yeah, I, I definitely like, agree with that.
0: Yeah. Like, listen to the people that believe in you, bro. Like, I believe in you. I, I need to stop listening to all the people that call him some shit because I, I don't I, I'm not with those people, not but really? yeah, that's That's an annoying man, bro. I've been following your TikTok for a while, and I know you do like film breakdowns or whatnot. What got you into like the sport of basketball and just like analyzing the game at the level you do? Because I know I can I can tell, like you really tapped in, like you really know your stuff. You just you know the game at a another another level than I do.
2: But. I'll
1: say all that, but I, I definitely appreciate it. I think one thing for me, like, just because I've been in basketball for a long time, I've played my whole life. Um, like, I've always had an interest. And then I ended up getting, like, I always wanted to do a YouTube channel. And so that's something that I'm trying to continue, like, to be more consistent on because I have a lot of great ideas. It's just, like, it's, it's really hard to do all the editing and the writing and the research Yeah, and put it together. So that's something I'm really trying to, like, attain. Like, I want to get at least two YouTube videos this, uh, a month. So I got I got two cooking up right now, but yeah, back to it. So my, I got an opportunity to be on the practice team for Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. for the women's basketball team. So basically I'm on the scout team. Like we run the different mm-hmm. actions that they ask us to do. Like we play with certain tendencies like of some of their opponents. And I think that kind of just sparked like my, it kind of like just reinvigorated all the, the knowledge I had picked up uh, playing basketball. It's just, you know, like executing concepts, seeing how they shift their defense, different terminology and stuff. And then, like, as I got deeper into creating content on Twitter, like, I would see, like, these coaching accounts, or there's a guy who has, like, an entire, basically a dictionary of basketball terminology. And so, like, you know, just familiarizing myself with that, and then, like, watching Hawks games really closely and trying to pick out those concepts. And I think that's how, like, I helped to build my knowledge, because I don't really like when basketball is, the discourse around basketball is purely, like, you know, trade baits or, or you know, like, just hot takes. Like, I, I like to try and bring some context and nuance to the game. and and trying, mm-hmm. like, like the overall goal of my content is to try to be informative at the end of the day. Like, I want to make sure people understand what they're watching. Because, I like, one thing I really appreciate about football is how schematic it is. And, yeah, like, like, how, when you watch someone who really understands the game of football, like, they can break it down. They can show you the concepts, the route tree, the protection, stuff like that. Like, I like that, that chess aspect of sports. So when mm-hmm. I see something like that in basketball, like, that's what I really love to talk about. And so, yeah, so I really just think, like, being involved with GT in basketball, like, sort of just gave me that, that hands-on experience I needed, and then yeah. you know, I'm to put it together from everything I've been watching, everything I've been reading, and I, I try and you know give it give it out, reproduce it so people can understand the game, because uh, I think that's the best way to watch basketball. Like because then you can get over like the BS fouls, or you can get over like all the narratives stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and, like, you can appreciate the game for what it is, and it just sort yeah. of like heightens your appreciation at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that because I know for me, I didn't grow up on basketball. I actually grew up on soccer, so I played soccer until about thirteen. And then I took a break and I started playing football. And just as you said, football is very schematic. I feel like the one sport I know, even though I don't pay attention to football at all anymore, I just, I just fallen out of love with that sport. Like the concepts had just been ingrained into me. I just feel like it will never leave. Like I can watch football and know most of the stuff that's going on or what's going to happen Almost feeling like I can predict the game. And I guess it makes it Easier to watch. I just, I don't know. It's just not entertaining, as entertaining as it used to be for me to watch. And then going, I went to college and played football. I went to Ohio University, walked onto the team, but then I tore my Achilles. So, oh dang, uh, yeah. So after that, just rehabbing and whatnot. I was just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta think about something else to do. Right. Went into sport management. Ended up just working on marketing and whatnot. And just was just wanted to work on business, uh, sports. In the business aspect, didn't care about being an athlete anymore. Obviously, still going to, you know, play some pickup here and there. Mm -hmm. Then ended up working for the Nationals. So then I got into baseball, was working in baseball for a couple months, learned the game of baseball. And I feel like the shortest amount of time I felt like I learned a sport ever. So I've just been all over the place with sports. But I've always like, I always came back to basketball because over the years, I was just, I'm a big 2K head. And I felt like if I was so good at 2K, I got to be at least decent enough to know some knowledge of basketball and just right. kept following it from there. And I think my love for basketball just increased as I just kept watching it, kept watching it. And then sometimes, you know, sports gambling came and got a hold of some people. So <laughs> I guess I have to watch more basketball, more film and just understand how players play and their tendencies. So I get how you feel with like people thinking content around basketball is just hot takes and trade mm-hmm. narratives because somebody sees somebody go like five for 16 you know, it's their ass for the day like right. they're a bad player and then the next mm-hmm. day they go 15 for 15 oh my god the next coming of jesus this is the right. best player of all time and it's just a flip-flop instead of building it's like the context of the situation like, he got strapped he was having Gen, an off right. night yeah like yeah, guys had, you're not you don't yeah, you're not going to make every single shot every single game. And when you see the game, you're like, dang, that's a bad shot. And then they make that same shot the next time. because It's like they, they know and play the game through repetition. So you're going to know who's really good and who's not. And I feel like the people that really know basketball are really going to point out those people that are good. And then the casual are just going to just create a hot take and just have a whole bunch of people arguing with each other over nothing. Like, it's fun to, you know, it's fun to argue for your favorite player because I still do it to this day. Oh, yeah. But I think being informative and trying to show the game at a different level is much more valuable to people. And then, you know, you can add a sprinkle of, uh, you know, a little bullshit in there, a little hot take. You know, that's what makes it fun sometimes. Yeah, not everything
1: has to be serious for sure. Like, I I can definitely, I try and, you know, weave in a little bit, you know, a little joke, a little exaggeration, you know. I try and, like, I'll have a serious conversation. I'll try and sneak Trey Young in there from time to time to push an agenda. I
0: think he was like sure, yeah. But I I feel like for that Trey Young is a is a little bit valid because I I say some shit like Damian Lillard the best like <laughs> shooter of all time, but that's because I feel like as a Dame fan, like we know Curry revolutionized the game and whatnot. But I I feel like Curry fans are very spoiled and just think he was the only person ever shooting the ball uh, like at a high clip. Obviously that man, that man is on a whole other level. Not saying nothing, right. not, not taking anything away from him. But mm-hmm. I know nobody really watches Blazers games like I did. And I'm like, I've I seen this guy doing it, too. It may have not been uh 50 logo threes every game, but he was definitely up there. It's just, you know, there's levels to this shit. So sure. knowing that the Hawks are where they are right now, and the trade deadline is, I think, in a month, who mm-hmm. do you think the trade the Hawks going to trade for? Who their targets are going to be? Yeah, so I think we're in a really
1: interesting position. I don't think this is the correct move for the Hawks. Is necessarily like going to a rebuild mode, meaning like mm-hmm. trading away guys for young for assets. You know, prioritizing picks. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be somewhere of a middle ground. So personally, I am against trading Dejounte Murray. Not because I think the fit is is great, but just more so, mm-hmm. you know, the the guy signs a team friendly contract with us. He's been pretty much a consummate professional his entire time here. Mm-hmm. I will say that there's a very concerning trend with him where he's phenomenal in the first half. I mean, attacking the rim, getting guys involved. Like, he's, he's, he plays to the level that we need him to be in the first half. And then consistently for, like, a month, he shits himself in the second half. And it's not just missing shots. It's a lack of aggression. It's looking completely uninterested. So I'm at the point where I feel like he's trying to tell the team, franchise ownership like y'all need me and see what happens this is what happens when I'm not playing for real, when I'm not playing well mm-hmm. um, yeah and I, that's actively lost us games because when you look at the Hawks net rating in the second quarter we have the seventh best net rating at a plus seven in the third quarter we have the 26th worst or the 26th worst net rating in the NBA it's like a minus oh, wow. 10 so that's like a 17 point swing a lot of that is on DeJounte Murray but I don't know if that's a, him getting phased out the offense but it's it's, it's a really Frustrating dynamic for us because we have guys who have value, you know, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter. Those are guys that I could see to be expected to be traded. Mm -hmm. Trey has a really close relationship with Clint, which I think has kept him on the team longer than he should have been. Honestly, I would have traded him last season, last offseason. I I was very interested in Derek Lively, who's currently playing very well for the Mavs. I was thinking we could possibly flip him to the Mavs for the 10th pick and, you know, Mm -hmm. some salary filler. And that's, that was a guy that I was targeting because I, I feel like Clint is on the tail end of his career. He's not nearly as athletic as he used to be. And while he's still rebounding really well, he has a really stupid tendency to just try and finish, a, like grab the ball and go up himself. Which you know, in some yeah. situations, that's cool. The majority of the time, he's missing them or he's doing reverse layups when he's 6'10 and there's a guard contesting a shot. Mm-hmm. So it's like stuff like that mm-hmm. that just frustrates me to no in. And you have a very talented young center. who you took in the lottery on Kongwu. Number six pick in his minutes, the Hawks look more versatile on both ends. So it's just stuff like that, right? So I feel like we need mm. to pick a direction. I don't think Quinn's not just in the mood for rebuild. So I asked some of my followers actually to send me some trade packages. One I was interested in one was sending DeJounte to Orlando and getting back Anthony Black or either a package of Anthony Black and picks and maybe an additional oh. salary filler or Markel Fultz, Jet Howard, and a couple firsts. And mm. um, I was interested in that package because the hawks need more draft equity but also jet howard is a you know he's a nice size shooter markel Fultz would be a buy low opportunity I've, I've always been a fan of his game but from i mean the shot just doesn't really look fixable at this point um, but yeah. it, getting anthony black back would be a huge win in my opinion it's a 6 eight guard who could play well next to trey because he's so good defensively he has great size great length great versatility He's mm-hmm. very smart with when he cuts off the ball. His shot looks like workable, you know, and mm-hmm. Kyle is now in the Hawks' front office, so that's a, a great development option for him. The other one I saw was, and this has been shopped a lot, is sending DeJounte to the Knicks for Quentin Grimes and Evan Fournier in a first or two. Okay. Personally, I'm a fan of Grimes' game. I do think he played play well next to Trey. I don't think the Knicks do it because why would they think DeJounte would work next to Brunson? if he's not working next to Trey yeah, and, but they do need another ball handler with quickly, go, quickly gone. Um, I do think they'll probably like, they're probably more interested in doing a deal with Shaw though to get Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. So personally, if it was up to me, I'd trade Capella, I'd trade De'Andre Hunter. I'm interested in Jonathan Kaminga on the Warriors. If the Warriors, if we could somehow get the Warriors. Here's the issue though, like the Warriors have a, an archetype of player they like on their roster. They like guys who have Warriors yeah. DNA who play smart, who can move the ball. Deontay Hunter does not play smart. He does not move the ball. (laughs) He doesn't make quick decisions. So it's, you know, it'd have to be like, remember when the uh, Warriors went and got Kelly Oubre and that shit didn't work because he he couldn't, he's not that type of player, right? So it's it's, it's sort of things like that, but I would be targeting young athletic players like Kaminga. We need a lot of athletes on this roster. We need guys who can compliment Jalen Johnson athletically. We need a a strong, big front court, whether DeJounte's on the team or not. So Ultimately, I want the guys. I think we really have over the next three games. If I see the same tendency, I think it's time to you know not hit a restart, restart, but more so like a retool button, sort of similar to yeah. what the Mavs did when they moved on from Porzingis and Brunson, bringing another teammate next to Trey, possibly next season with some more draft equity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think probably the guy, the package that definitely intrigued me the most was with Orlando because I I would okay. love to have Anthony
0: Black. Okay. Yeah, because I was I was interested. Because I saw they put Dejounte Capella, Bogdanovich, and DeAndre Hunter all—they were all up for grabs. I was like, okay, what, what direction are they about to go in? Because I, when I try to think about trades, my my brain doesn't come up with very good ideas. I think I called like maybe one good trade, and that's when CJ got traded to the Pelicans, and we got we got we got Josh Hart and Nikhil alexander Walker. Oh, I, I, I was so happy. And then we got rid of Alexander Walker, and that was sad. After that, and then we see what he's doing now on the the Timberwolves. But yeah, I'm just like I forgot you about him. Yeah, we yeah. I was I was I was so excited because I'm thinking, okay, I, I I've I've watched that man play religiously because you know him and Shay are cousins. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, we're getting something at least defensively. We're getting something from him, and he still had a pretty good shot. And he was decent in the minutes when he was starting on the Pelicans. So I was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do something with him." We flipped him immediately, and I was very upset. And then looking back, it's kind of like uh, we still win, we still won regardless because so, uh, we don't need any more guards in the Blazers. We already had a guard problem before. We don't. I don't want that again. But yeah, I was I was wondering because when trades happen, I just I feel like people just be throwing around uh, just a random player here and there or just. You know, taking risks that I just can't see in my my GM mind. So I just like to see other people's ideas yeah. and how players fit in different systems. Because I know uh, I'm not the that type of guy. I try to be better at it. Though. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, it's 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 fun, but it's
2: like it's so many different restrictions to what trades you can do. Yeah, and honestly, like
1: I'm just I saw a story too where allegedly Dejounte signed this extension. Because cause the, the Pascal Siakam deal, mm-hmm. for him coming to Atlanta, was damn near done. I didn't know this, but oh, it was wow. like damn near done. All, every, all the details were ironed out. Teams, players on both sides were told it was going to happen. And then Masai pulled out. Oh. So you can imagine what that will do to a team knowing that, you know, I was almost traded. And allegedly, DeJonse said... I'll sign this extension as opposed to being traded to Toronto. Like Uh, he didn't want to
2: go to Toronto. Yeah. So
1: you know, it may be a completely different situation than it actually feels, or at least it was like presented to Mm -hmm. us. You know, where the Hawks are giving him a team friendly contract, he's all bought in. It's more so like I'd rather continue to play here than be sent anywhere else. Which at the same time, like that's still a commitment to the Hawks, but it just leaves it leaves us in a bad position and a bad reputation. I feel like Mm -hmm. because how are you going to give all this equity for a guy and then trade him away? Because honestly, like that package with the Knicks, that's pennies on the dollar for return for a guy that you thought could elevate this team. I always felt like we didn't give up that much for the Johnson in the first place. We're talking about, yes, it looks like five firsts, but one of those firsts was a Charlotte first that we'll never convey. Mm -hmm. And we got it from the Cam Reddish trade. Uh And that's going to turn into two seconds. And then it's two pick swaps and, and two firsts and Danilo Gallinari. So like we didn't give up. The king's ransom that people were making it out to be like the, the massive overpay or like the gold bear trade you know yeah. what i'm saying like i think people saw that go uh, the gold bear trade which by the way looks phenomenal right I, now but they saw that trade oh and they, they immediately dude. compared it to
0: I, that that trade oh my I, i'm not gonna lie definitely this year definitely surprised the hell out of me because i mm. i like everybody else was like what the hell are these people thinking giving up all this for Gobert? When they had they they had Naz Reed on the bench. It still had a decent squad before Gobert, and I just felt like the spacing wasn't there, nothing was really working. Obviously, you know, people jump the gun on things. It's a new player, you gotta get used to to playing with a new asset. So chemistry is also involved. But I was like, there's there's no way this is gonna work out because they got they got cat fighting for his life in the perimeter. And he still has that that touching problem. He want to go and foul everybody. So yep. I didn't think it was gonna work out. Mm-hmm. But they they look way better now. <laughs> uh, they look better. as as soon as they got Mike Conley, I knew it was gonna look way better
1: because the thing was D'Lo has always been miscast at yeah, a point guard. Absolutely, there, in my opinion. Like yes, he can run the offense, but that is not his true skill set. He doesn't run a team, but, like, you know, he can effectively get buckets, but he's much more of a combo guard. And he also has a crazy, like, he has crazy long arms, but he doesn't play a lick of defense. So you you cannot have – well, also to give him credit, in in Minnesota, he was really good vocally. Like, he was out Mm -hmm. there like a middle linebacker, sort of like their Draymond, like, calling out coverages, right? So credit to him. But once they got Mike Conley and they got D'Angelo off the team, you gave Gobert someone who would look for him early and often. You gave mm-hmm. him someone that he trusts, someone that he'll roll off with hard. And then you got a real adult running the offense, which meant like, you know, Ant is still, still figuring it out even to this day, you know, like to pick his spots, mm-hmm. like when to get guys involved. But I mean, this is, a, this is a completely different team from last year. Ant has increased his assist percentage. I think like he's one of the top five and in highest increases from last season. He has more assist to Gobert, or he had more assist to Gobert within 20 games than he had yeah. the entire season last year so like not only is it just ants leap as a playmaker but also him buying into gobert the team respecting him as a, as the anchor he is uh cat has bought in defensively and so when they play when they're bought in and they're moving cohesively you got and also like a lot of times guys would like dump on gobert like oh yeah. you know deep boy but he got he gets exposed in the playoffs oh deep but he can't go on the perimeter he can go on the perimeter but his entire day, like the entire time he's in utah he's out there with donovan mitchell Jordan Clarkson, Boyan Bogdanovich on the wings, Joe Ingles, who, you know, he's a crafty defender, but he can't move. So he's had all these subpar defenders around him on the perimeter. Now you're giving him Ant, Nikhil, and you're giving him Jada McDaniels, guys who are all going to, like, those legitimate lockdown defenders who play with physicality. Mike Collins is a smart team defender. So it's like... They're going to be really, really dangerous in the playoffs for sure. And I, and that's something I want to talk about in the video too is, like, you know, a lot of times people are still saying the same thing about Gobert. Like, oh, they're not buying the T-Wolves because Gobert is yeah. the anchor. I promise you that team is going to be way yeah, different the in the playoffs. That was the only team that gave the Nuggets oh, – that was the yeah, only team that yeah, gave the yes. Nuggets
0: problems. Thank you. Thank you. Thank the you. Thank team. you. People didn't realize Money. that the reason why – I truly believe the reason why they lost that series was because Jaden McDaniels was to like, go punch a wall. If he did not punch that wall, it was going to be a seven. It was going to be the seven. Yeah, that was huge. And
2: I, he did that in in the playing game, uh, didn't he? Or was that the
1: regular? It was before the series, right? I think, yeah, it was before the series. It was before the series. Yeah, so he even play. I think Nas Reed didn't play. You're right. One. You're right. So, like, You're right. They they miss both of those and those are two guys who are going to be playing 20, 20 or well Jaden will probably play thirty plus Nas will probably play twenty five minutes you're missing huge contributors there Nas another big body that they can put on the Jokic with having while having Gobert Rome so the Nuggets I'm telling you, like especially with the mm-hmm. way the Nuggets are now missing mm-hmm. Bruce Brown Christian Brown hasn't necessarily stepped into that role yet they're gonna have their hands full yeah that the bench not again. Um and that would be a great that would be a great second round season. Uh, a great second round series like that'd be that'd be cinema. But I think they have every like especially as Ant continues to grow, they have everything they need on that team to eventually get to a championship, I feel. They probably need a little bit more development from a guard or like yeah. bring in another score. I feel cuz sometimes you know Ant could be he he's still learning how to be consistent, how to get to his spots. Like he can he's really really bad at like floaters, which I think is yeah. really be interesting. Like he doesn't really you know, he's a. Free, I think he is a three level scorer at this point, where you know he can get to the rim, he can get to the mid range, he can get to the three, but he doesn't have an in between yeah. per se. Where like if there's a guy walling him off at the rim, he can get a little shaky there, and that's those are the shots you got to be comfortable with. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of pure athletes they want to get to the rim and get you in foul trouble, that can get yeah. you missing, like you know what I'm saying, so stuff like that. So that will come over time, and he'll learn how to how to pick his spots and be a little bit more efficient. You know, if, if like they they just have, I feel like they have everything to make a deep playoff run. This year, if if the cars go their way, I mean, they could find their way yeah, themselves. For they sure, could find themselves in the finals. Honestly, like I, for I was really sure. do
0: because I, I was, I, I try to like visualize who I see advancing on um, from the east and the west. Like currently in the west, I just I, I see the Timberwolves. I obviously I see the Nuggets because Jokic is just still just uh, an enigma. You never know what you're gonna get with him, and he can orchestrate his team so well. And then the Thunder. The Thunder are always in there because I just I just have high hopes for them just to figure it out. They got some sort of experience last season with the play-in game. I just feel like now they they bought in. The defense is solid. Shea has hit another gear. I think they're going to go in there do some damage. Obviously, I don't know if it's going to translate into a championship, but I would like to hope so. Mm-hmm. I'll say the one thing about the
1: Thunder that for sure concerns me um, Josh Giddy is still completely yeah. fucking up their offense just by being on the court. They continue to play oh, him yeah. uh, meaningful minutes, which honestly, like like I that think is true. even if like just the, just the way they handled mm-hmm. his situation, right? You know, from everything I've heard, whatever, you know, she had a fake ID, he didn't know, whatever, whatever. They just yeah. want to cooperate. Regardless, like I I don't I would not have made the decision to allow, allow him to keep playing, especially yeah. because he's ass. You feel me? Like, you could get out of a bad roster fit by trading him away. And he's had, he still brings value at times. He's a very good connector. He, when, I watched, when I went to watch the Thunder game in mm-hmm. person against the Hawks, he hit the velocity on his passes is crazy. Like, he can fit it through very tight windows because yeah. he can put so much heat on it. Um, but he is, a, he is a liability. Absolutely. To have when you can put Klinkapella on you, you're a liability. <laughs> when, when guys can sag off of you 15 feet, you're a liability. So was, when you look at the numbers, Shea's numbers with Giddy on the court, when you look at the fact that Josh Giddy is leading them in usage when he's started with the starting unit, when he's like at this much stretches where he's been leading them in field goal attempts when he's with the starting, like that's, yeah. that's bad basketball. And that's, that will cost you in the playoffs. And I've seen Thunder fans continually saying, like, this is putting a cap on our ability to perform in the playoffs. And it's stupid too because they have yeah, guys who it, fit and- better.
0: Aaron Wiggins, yeah, fits and, better. It, and now Case it, on and gonna, fits it's on Wallace. The regular season, people are just gonna let it rock out, but the playoffs, they're just gonna dare him to shoot, dare him to to take over the game. And he's just gonna have to step up, either step up or fold. And I, I see why they should move him too. Because I know that people were talking about uh, Laurie Marketing going to that team, and I'm like, I'm all for it. Get rid of Getty, you get that big body dude. That is a great score. I just don't know about like fit how, how that would work out and like who would have a decreased role, an increased role. But I also think they can go out mm. this season, not make any moves, because the Thunder are in a great position. They can go rock out, see what, how their mm. squad does in the playoffs. They succeed. That's great for them. Mm. There's just more success to come. They got the picks. They got the assets. They got everything. Like They're in a very solid position. If they go in the playoffs and fold, all right, let's go evaluate the team, mm-hmm. retool, go back next season. The next season, everybody's just going to get better. Mm-hmm. Just go test it out in the playoffs again. So they're in a very solid position. They don't got to make any drastic changes right now. They can walk out with the same squad. But Giddy is looking like their most obvious glaring issue. Mm-hmm. The thing about Lori with the Thunder is
1: he's probably the best off-ball scorer in the NBA, like, a seven foot movement yeah. shooter is nuts and then of course you know he has a frame to put on the floor and get to the rim but the thing is i feel like sometimes the thunder are over reliant yeah. on shea and he doesn't necessarily solve that problem because he does not pass <laughs> the ball and he also like what well, he can create for himself but like you need a i think you need a secondary ball handler that's why i can understand why they continue to experiment with giddy because giddy can give shea he can spell him as a ball handler because that is something yeah. that giddy can do but Also, when I watch the Thunder play, they have a very – or at times they can have a very simplistic offense where they are relentless pushing the ball in transition, semi-transition. The Hawks would get a – they would make a basket, right? I'm watching Jalen Williams' big ass grab the ball and just (laughs) run as fast as he can down the court. And what they do is they look for pitchbacks to their bigs for transition threes. They look for that a lot. That is really good at hitting those. So those trail threes, they look for those a lot. They look for a lot of handoffs or Shade just getting down and creating contact. And so because it can be a little simplistic, obviously they'll, they'll mix in some guard-to-guard mm-hmm. guard actions as well. I'm just a little concerned about their overall offensive ceiling because also Jalen Williams is being asked to do a lot. And he's responded for now, but like he's still – like they ask him to do a lot in the half court because of Giddy's limitations. Be, and, you know, he's still a second-year player. So I think I'm a little mm-hmm. bit lower on the thunder. And most people, I think Shay's going to be overextended in the playoffs. And especially if they have Gideon on that team, it's going to it's mm-hmm. going to get nasty for them. But I think – I definitely agree with you with the T-Wolves, the Nuggets. The West is just – I mean, I think the Clippers are a team that I'm pretty high on as well. I like the way the Mavericks are constructed, but they're still like – will Luka – I think Luka likes – his yeah. style of play, like, you know, he likes he likes to dribble the air out of the ball. And obviously, like, when you watch him operate, like, he, he can dismantle teams single-handedly. Like, he will yeah. get you a good shot every time. But It's just more so about, like, will guys be, be willing and able to to buy in? Is Kyrie going to be able to buy in to, to watch yeah, him dribble just, the clock I, out? I, I just, um, stuff like that. But they have a great team. I, don't, I,
0: don't, the, the, I, I, think, I think so, too. They have a great team. But I just still think Mavericks still don't move me. Uh, like, Luka... Luca, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna do his thing, create for his teammates, he's gonna dominate. There's no really any that can guard him. It's just that I feel like mm-hmm. their success is gonna really come from if Kyrie shows up, or if they allow Kyrie to show up, and allow him to gain get the same amount of looks and us yeah. be involved as much as Luca. I feel like if they share the usage pretty evenly they're they're going to be a, a mm-hmm. dangerous team to come against. But they just – I don't know. this I just I, – uh, I don't see anything from that team. I, I want something to happen, but I just – I'm not very confident. Yeah. Uh, he's missed so much time, too. And that's the other thing. Like,
1: I haven't I, – a lot of the Maz games I've watched, he hasn't been playing. So I definitely want to watch him a little bit more now to see how they operate. Um, what's interesting, too, is, like, they spent a lot of money on Grant Williams, and he's been dog shit. <laughs> so, like, they're they, – they're they're very lucky that Derek Williams, not Derek Williams, yeah, Derek Jones that, has been really good. I, yeah, Dante men is really good because their big. Their big acquisitions have
0: not. The little, the, little out. the the smaller um, so. role players have been stellar. They did I, a great job with that. They I'm very surprised. Derek Jones Jr. I'm just I'm watching him like there's no way he's doing this right now, and I'm 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 so happy for him to see it, see it all come together, because I'm like, this dude is acting different right now, and if it. it Keep translating the rest of this season, they they can be unstoppable. I just think that usage need to be shared a little bit between Kyrie and Luca, and that success will will keep coming. Yeah. But everybody
2: else in the West, I'm not sure. So I probably
1: would put if I'm talking about like top tier contenders in the West, it'd definitely be like Wolves, Nuggets, mm-hmm. Clippers. In my opinion, I think Clippers are playing great basketball right now. I think Pardon hasn't locked Zubac in a, to a way like we've never seen him. Like Zubac is like. He, yeah. he comes to work ready. You know, he's rolling hard. Yep. He's like, I'm playing with a real point guard. I saw a stat. It was like, how Harden's been there 20, I'm going to say like 20, 25 games. He has more assisted Zubac within that span than anyone has ever assisted Zubac like over an entire oh, wow. season. So like they they finally got them a real point guard. Like we always said, like, yo, Kawhi Ooh. and PG, you know, they need a point guard, they need a point guard, they need a point guard. Well, they got it, you know, in Harden. So I do think that his presence being there – if he continues to play. And also, like, that's another guy I want to talk about in a YouTube video because he's not going to – he's now the third option, you know. So he's not going to have – he's not even going to have the chance and opportunity to fold as yeah, much as he likes. True. You know what I'm saying? So I think they're another team that I think is going to do really well. And then probably in the frisky tier, I'd put um, – I'm, I'm big on New Orleans. I'm, I like the way they hoop. I'll probably put the Mavs there. i put the Thunder. The Kings are playing really good basketball. Also, Keegan Murray is, like, mm-hmm. a great defender now out of nowhere. Which is really strange to see, like from a first-year player to a second season to have that type of defensive leap. And then I don't know. I'm just I'm not moved by Lakers.
0: Yeah, me either.
1: I'm not moved by the Warriors. Mm-hmm. The Rockets, I think, are going to be feisty too. I made a bet they won't make the the playoffs, so I need that to happen. <laughs> <'Cause> my friend, my <laughs> roommate, is a Rockets fan, uh-huh. and yeah, so need it not having. But I could definitely see that. I'm trying to think of who else. Like I'm gonna be surprised if the Warriors, Lakers, or Rockets end up like making out the plan. Yeah, I think out of those teams, it's
2: just
1: it's just not move I don't know. I, I think out of those teams, like ironically, I do think the Rockets would be the, the scariest just because they like they grind it out. They can win ugly. Yeah, they don't give like they don't they don't care about offense, you know. So they can win super ugly games and and they can muck it up in the playoffs. And you know they. I think they're the only team that's starting two guys who shoot below forty percent. It Doesn't matter. Like they're still above five hundred because their defense is so good. Oh wow! Uh, like Jalen Green and Van Vliet are disgusting <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah,
0: they're... it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. They're just gonna get it back on defense. Yeah, and that's what's gonna keep so them through. Now I think in the East.
1: I feel like Boston's on a different tier. Yeah, <laughs> Boston's on a different tier from everyone else, man. Like. They, they are playing, it's all really incredible defensive alignment from them. Like, they're basically playing zone. So, I think they're on a whole different level than anyone else. I really don't really put anyone else on that contender level to, be, to
0: keep it a buck. Yeah. So, yeah, Celtics are just, uh, the, only, the only reason they'll lose if they beat themselves. That's the only way they'll lose. Because every time I watch a Celtics game, it's, they got Drew Holiday to be there, just just to be there. Like he's their the backup, backup, backup plan. I made like a MVP of the of like of their team for all the teams, and for the Celtics, I put their MVP as uh, Derek White because I don't know what the hell got into that dude. He left San Antonio. and He was just torched from three, and then he shaved his head, and it was a wrap from there. I I feel like that's a big proponent of their success and then they have porzingis very aggressive not too many people can guard him because there's not many seven three people out there that are going to shoot the ball as well as he is on all three levels and jason tatum can cruise if he really wants to because if you watch the games if if derrick white and porzingis are both not doing that well jason tatum would probably do very well but if jason tatum's like going through the motions you know checking up shots just Playing at least hard enough for them to keep some sort of lead, then it's it's vice versa. And then you got Jalen Brown in there, not really living up to the contract, but I mean, at least they can secure them for the next couple of years. And then you got Drew Holiday just being able to be switched on to every single person like Derek White has, and they're just their defense is just you can't really do anything to them. And then both those all the players are two ways, so. They give you the same mm-hmm. offense, so that, yeah, that they don't. They amazing. don't have a single like exploitable guy. Their top
1: six, including Al Horford, are all plus defenders. You got two of the best. They have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. And I, I, what game was it? I think it was, it was the Thunder game I was watching. Mm-hmm. Like Porzingis is the best mismatch exploiter in the NBA right now. Absolutely. I feel like. Absolutely. Um, if you put if you put a guard on him, it's a bucket. And he's really, like, grown as a post-up player. Mm-hmm. I remember in Dallas, it was fucking – first off, it was hard to even get him in the post. Yeah. But then he would be he would be so incredibly soft in the post. And I, he didn't have the lower body strength to, like, withstand those pushes in the back. Mm-hmm. Now he's just – he's catching and going. And he's – I mean, he gives them so much easy offense. And that's something the Celtics have always struggled with, yeah. especially in the playoffs. Is just, like, who can we get the ball to to exploit a defensive ma- uh, mismatch? Who can we get the ball to to, like, go and get an easy bucket? Tatum, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Tatum has always struggled with that driving kick and getting to his spots and Jalen Brown, you can't trust him at times. And now they just have a, a perfect flow. Yeah. And that's so the, I think they, they stand alone for
0: sure. Yeah, that, that team is untouchable. And I wouldn't be surprised if they they won one at all. And then I just see I just see the East and I'm not moved, but I just see like fun series mm-hmm. that can be expected going to the playoffs. Because I know if the, mm-hmm. the Bucks get the Pacers. That's gonna, it's gonna be a dog fight because they just have you know that in season tournament beef, the season beef. Yeah. That's gonna be a fun series to watch. Cavs don't move me That'll at be a good all. Series. The Knicks don't move me at all because we know how we know how Joyce Randall is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Magic will be. I will say though, case. I think, I think if he has, I saw a tweet. It's like if there was gonna be a year
1: that he breaks out in the playoffs, it'd be this year. Yeah, and. I, I'm kind of conflicted with that because he's playing good ball right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like they've lost another. Like Jalen Brunson is not a playmaker to me. Yeah, he could. He's a, he's a capable willing passer, but he's not like his his goal with the ball is usually to score. So I feel like they're not gonna be able to get Randall as many easy looks mm-hmm. as you would like for him in the playoffs. He's still gonna be working really hard for his shots. It really just depends on the matchup because even – I mean, he wasn't terrible against the Cavs, but he also, like, he was, he had an ankle issue and stuff
0: like that, so. Yeah. And also, no, they're going I don't know. They're also going to be missing out on that quickly trade. I feel like, I feel like it did help the defense. If anything, mm-hmm. they're just going to grind out results. But that off-the-bench mm-hmm. scoring is going to – who are they going to go to, for real, to give them that little yeah. push if nobody in the starting lineup mm-hmm. is getting it done? Exactly. And Mitchell Robinson is out. For this season, yeah, I think for a long ass time, is it for the season? I'm pretty sure it's for the season. But if anything, he probably might try to be ramped back up if they make pass, make it past the first round of playoffs. Mm. But that's, but that's that's a huge loss. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big ass
1: blow because, like, I mean, Hardenstein has actually been really good. I was, I I haven't been paying a ton of attention to the Knicks until they got OG. So I didn't know how well he'd been playing, but like, Mm. he's been really, really good for them. But you need now they going what they gonna go back to Taj Gibson like to the tip security blanket? That's not that's not viable. Press Saturia, it's not viable. It's funny because even Taj
0: Gibson he. got waived yesterday. Oh, for real? Yeah. So he go, so he oh, going. Wow, yes.
1: that's old. The so even where we live in. Wow, <laughs> dang. So but, not even Taj is safe. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I don't know. They they have to figure out that center spot though, because, and that's why I think they're also a team that like. You know, they might, they might call about Capella or they might call it, you know, so oh, I think they're yeah. one of the teams that I could see something like that, but just, I don't know who I want from that team. Like I want Grimes, but from that, that's all I want, you know, and that's not enough Yeah, a, a, a return for real. But yeah, I mean, Cleveland actually, like I just saw some Jared Allen numbers. He's been r- ridiculous without Mobley and Garland. So I think that team still has some identity issues though. When Garland's healthy and Mobley's healthy, the defense can be elite, but, like, I still think they're at their best with the ball in Garland's hands. Yeah, I was never really a big fan of the Donovan Mitchell trade because I don't think he's, like – like, I respect teams trying to get better, but I don't think Donovan Mitchell's the type of player to, like, take a team deep in the playoffs by himself. Yeah. Outside of, like, some crazy circumstances, and, I, and that's not going to happen this year either. Like, I don't think they're – I don't think they have enough.
0: It's funny. It's funny because I I, I know – like, I usually try to relate it to a uh, betting sense sometimes, but I know that Colin Sexton for Donovan Mitchell trade – I said they basically traded for the same player that probably mm-hmm. scores maybe two more points per game than the other. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, they just got a direct swap and not really because saw so what happened in the playoffs. They didn't really, if they have, they got to the playoffs, but I feel like it didn't really improve their chances for real, for being honest. Mm-hmm. They have a messy, like,
1: I think one, one thing about the, the injuries they're going through right now is just defining the roles. Mm-hmm. So like, with Spider, it's just Spider and it's just Jared Allen. Okay. Jared Allen can be the guy rolling every time. He can be the guy dominating on the glass. Mm-hmm. With Mobley out there, those roll lanes aren't as clear because neither of them can shoot. Um, he's not like, he doesn't have the same, he, I don't think he would feel the same responsibility defensively or on the glass if Mobley's next to him because Mobley's also like a strong rebounder and a, and a great defender. So I think that they're bending, they're almost benefiting from the losses right now. Yeah. Or the loss of the guys because it's like, it's really like just put it in plain view. this is what we need to do on a night-to-night basis. But when you have Garland and Mobley, now it's okay. Well, is this a Garland possession? Is this a Donovan Mitchell possession? Like, how do we figure out the spacing with Mobley and Allen on the court at the same time? So it's like they have a, and it's also the timelines are just a tiny bit off. You know, like Garland and Mobley are the younger pair. Mm -hmm. And they probably have the higher ceiling. But right now, Donovan and Jared Allen are better. So it's like the direction that they choose, I think, really has to depend on where Donovan Mitchell goes after this season. I believe he's a free agent. I would not be surprised at all if he leaves. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that he loves being in Cleveland, especially considering, like, you know, all the reports were, like, Miami yeah. or New York before he got traded. So they, they definitely have something interesting going on. And then so I would say, like, top, top tier for sure is Boston. Then probably my next tier, I'd probably throw Philly in there really? with Milwaukee. And I, I think Philly's one of those teams where, like, I think this is also another year. Like, you know, I was talking about, like, guys who are going to exercise their playoff the demons. Mm-hmm. I think this is that year for Embiid because it's on him this year. You know, there's no Jimmy Butler. There's no James Harden to bail him out. Uh I think they built a more sustainable and versatile offense around him.
2: Absolutely. They're, like, leading
1: the league. and They're they're among league league leaders in handoffs, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they're just a little bit more sustainable with the way they attack defenses. And then they finally have a bunch of wing defenders now, which they have not had. Um, You know, obviously they had Ben Simmons and Matisse, but, like, outside of those guys. They really did have that. Now they got guys who get after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Batum is a, like one of the best force spaces in the NBA still, mm-hmm. even at his age. Yeah. I do think Philly's up there. in that second tier, just because of the changes Nick Nurse has made, I'm still skeptical of them. You know, I don't really trust Tobias Harris. We haven't seen Tyrese Maxey in the playoffs where he's like the secondary option. Mm-hmm. So there's still questions for sure. But I think I have the same amount of questions about them as I do about the Bucks. So like I kind of yeah. just have them on the same tier
0: yeah and then from that
1: point on you know it seems like magic the magic the knicks probably the pacers i'd have next and, and it'd be like the Cavs and the heat and then it's, it's like a pretty big fall off in the east yeah after the heat unfortunately and this is why i wanted the hawks like the hawks we had to have a serious season because we would have been slotted right in we should have been we should have been battling for like the sixth seed right now like my expectation was as high as four mm-hmm. as low as six or seven so I don't think we're out of it yet. Just given the way the East looks, like, I I still think it's open, at least for, unless you're under Boston, I do think the Hawks, if they're locked in, could beat the majority of these teams. Yeah. So, I I don't know. The doors, door is much more open in the East than I think it is in the West, and I think it's a lot less defined in the East about, like, who's going to give Boston trouble. Mm-hmm. I, the Pacers have given them trouble at times, too. But, I mean, they're 28-7. Like, that's a dominant team, so.
0: Yeah, you're right. I feel like it's a little bit more clear cut in the West than it is in the East. Cause I'm just because the, the heat. Because I know everybody's just like, oh, the Jimmy. Because I know Jimmy Bowler's been out for yeah. damn some time, and it's just like the heat does have the, that effect in the playoffs. They can just cruise through the season, not really care if they get playing. All right, they're going to play hard in the play and still get to make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, okay, they're chilling, but they just they still have that effect. They got Hero back. They still have the chance to be 10th seed and still make some noise in the playoffs. So you can't really count that team out. But you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, Heat all the way through because – of how they yeah. look out, look throughout the season because it is one of those teams that you bullshit. just can't count them out.
1: What's that? What's that? Um, they like nastiest, toughest, yeah. roughest, whatever that that slogan is. They have like, but it's like I hate it. I hate the cliche nature of their culture. But at this point, man, it is what it is. Like they just they're just a grinders. You know, like they they play so hard and and you know they can pick up guys. Yeah, will
0: still go out there and they play. The, for the biggest no name person in the whole world, and they just show up and mm-hmm. playoffs is the. Each time they shine, yep. but you'll remember them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you feel about the Suns? The Suns? Uh, <sighs> I always said their bench has been their biggest problem. And mm-hmm. I haven't been able to catch games where well. like, you know, their big three have all played at the same time. I know Devin Booker took that role to be the distributor, uh, be the guard, the point guard, and try to orchestrate the team. I just don't see – I I think they're all great players, all great scorers. Their defense doesn't have to be, you know, really up there for them to succeed because if they can just rotate, you know, the possessions of who is going to take over, I just think the bench is going to be their killer when push comes to shove. But also, Katie is still proven. Katie is very proven. Devin Booker is the one, I think, that just kind of really shrinks in the playoffs. And Bradley Beal, this guy catching a damn injury bug. So I'm just hoping hoping, yeah. I'm just hoping, he's healthy enough to stick around the whole time. But I just think the bench is their biggest issue. And I just, they're just not moving me with that. Mm-hmm.
1: And I I kind of like what they did like over the offseason. I saw I saw the vision for it working, mm-hmm. but I do think I think like another issue with them is just the big man rotation. Like they're not really they don't have the anchor they need. I feel Oh like. yeah, I was going to say isn't that
0: backup up. Drew Eubanks? Yeah,
1: so it's like Nurkic already isn't the best defensive center yeah. and then like his his backup is also not. So it's it's just hard for them to defend and contain effectively. Yeah, so they they've got a lot of issues honestly. I I've, I've seen KD KD's still having a great season, yeah. which is crazy. Okay. At his age and, and and at the amount of offensive responsibility they're giving him, like for him to still be hooping like that. But they
2: have a
0: lot of issues for sure. Yeah, I, I would say though, their experience will take them a long way, especially against teams like the Rockets, Pelicans, shit. Even maybe the Mavs too, if they ever meet yeah, up in the point. playoffs. But that I, I, I would say I trust them more than the, the Lakers and the Warriors out of the teams that are for sure. sure that are like lower than they were expected to be. I trust them. Mm-hmm. I trust mm-hmm. them the most, but I'm just still not moved by it. I'm, I'm more, I think I'm basing my predictions more on a lot more on potential than what I'm seeing right in front of me. I could, def- I can definitely for real. I can call that. for sure.
1: I don't I'm, I don't know. The blink is just, I just don't think they're to shoot shooter. What is the, What about Memphis though? You think
0: they have a chance to get back in the plan? Memphis. Mm. I think, the biggest thing
2: they're four and a half games back from the Lakers right now, who's in tenth, which is crazy.
0: That is actually wild. What the heck? Hmm, I, I actually true I truly think they have a chance to get back in the play-in, but that Steven Adams injury was the, the biggest blow they could ever get. Cause they even mm-hmm. even with Steven Adams and then Job being suspended, they still probably would have been hovering around the same spot. But I think it would just been like you know a game behind, a game and a half, two games behind. It wasn't going to be like the biggest drop off they had this season. But now that Jaws back, mm-hmm. you know they have more familiar faces. I'm just not, I'm not locked in on that Bismack Bionbo <laughs> center uh, spot. <spine. laughs> so they might, I say they might have to make a move. But mm-hmm. they are, I think they're very much in there. They're very much in there. I think they can make a, a – they can call back. They can definitely call back.
1: Mm-hmm. Like That was a team that I was thinking about sending Capello to just because I know like they need a center. But then I'm just not – it's not an optimal return. You know, David Roddy, they have wings, but they're not developed yeah. yet in terms of – And I don't really see great upside at Roddy or LaRavia. I, I see a little bit in LaRavia, but it'd be, a, it'd be a, a long shot. Like Zaire Williams is not an NBA player <laughs> in my opinion. I saw him play, I saw him play when I watched the Grizzlies mm-hmm. game, and I, I, it's close to over for him, <laughs> at least in my opinion, but it's just like, if that team still had the Anthony Melton or Kyle Anderson, it would be by all means, like, I, I would call Landry Fields right now and be like, make sure Quinn Capella is traded to the Grizzlies, because they, those are the type of wins that I think can make a difference, yeah. but now, you know, now they're on good
0: teams where they're contributing, and it's, it's tough, it's tough,
1: I'm not sure what the Hawks do from this point on.
0: Yeah, see, that's, that's, the, I think that that's the thing, because it's, I feel like the way y'all have to get players is kind of dismantling another team or taking the biggest exactly. ballsy shot at somebody that's not really known. Exactly. And they just like develop just like that. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a great development chart, like timeline or
1: uh, track or history, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't had like a crazy development mental story or or like someone comes out of nowhere, like next year. And, like he's crazy. Like, Jalen Johnson has always been this good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just about playing him. See, um, guys have gotten better, but we're not like Jalen Johnson has always been that. Like, you know, it's like yes to other teams, they may be like, oh, like yo, like, you know, he was he was trash in college, like 20th pick, but no, he's always had that
0: see. I did not I did not know that. I saw like I saw flashes towards the end of the season, but I always thought mm-hmm. I think the person that was on my list that was gonna be like next up off the bench was AJ Griffin. And then mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I don't know what happened, yeah, so there's a there's a lot of speculation about something that happened within
1: his family mm-hmm. with his dad. and basically, like they ended up his his brother's wife was accusing their their father, mm-hmm. Adrian Griffin, senior, the bucks coach, mm-hmm. of negligence, and uh, letting his his nephew die in his care. oh wow, so like this it's a crazy story, but basically, like he was left in the basement. And, he, and I don't know the details yet. They haven't been revealed, but, like, he ended up dying, oh, wow. passing away. And so, like, the mother has been, like, very vocal on social media, trying to get justice for him. Mm-hmm. And part of what Adrian Griffin was away for, like, personal reasons for a while. And I at least I was speculating that it had something to do with that. Mm. Um, There's, not, like, nothing has come out of it, like, legal matters-wise. Yeah. You know, you can, that's that's really tough to deal with. Yeah. Um, and he's still really young, too, so. You know, he was already struggling, shooting the ball, um, going back to last season, like near the tail end. And, you know, guys go through sophomore slumps, and especially when your playing time isn't consistent. Your confidence can get shot, and that's all you need is a shooter. I still believe him a lot, and I don't want us to trade him, but Jalen is
0: ready now. Yeah, Jalen's ready now. Yeah, so, like, if Jalen would have been playing under maybe McMillan, like,
1: when he was first drafted. Yeah. I legitimately believe he would be getting all-star consideration right now. Like, that's how special of a talent he is. That's how athletic he is. That's how much burst he has. Like, if he would have been playing, I guarantee you, he would have been averaging, like, 18, 10, and 4, like, and with some real highlight, real level dunks. So that's the type of player that we have, right? Yeah. So now you have, I think, I think the way the Hawks need to approach it, you have Trey Young, that is your franchise cornerstone. It's the best player you've had, some Dominique Wilkins. You'd be an idiot to trade him away. The city loves him. He embraces the city. You feel me? Yeah. Then you have Jalen Johnson, and he complements Trey perfectly. He's the guy who can give to him on the short roll. He can get it there for a dunk, but he also has the passing chops to move it around, get guys open. Yeah. And then he's also, like, he's he's developing into his own mismatch hunter, you know, ability where he can put his back to the basket. He can raise up over guys. So those are the two guys that the team needs to be built around. You need to evaluate whether DeJounte is part of that fit. Well, you need to evaluate whether Onyeka Okongu is part of that fit. Mm-hmm. And so personally, I would go into this deadline, Trey, Jalen, we're not trading them no matter what. Kobe Bufkin is a guy I'm really high on personally. I would also like to keep him out of trade combos. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Onyeka Okongwu. Everyone else was on the table. You know, like Bogdan Bogdanovich is super important to the team, knockdown shooter, Benji Microwave score, but he's getting older, right? So yeah. Things like that. I think I think if they continue to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is building around Trey and Jalen and rebound the entire rest of the roster for the rest of the season, I think we can come out of it and be in a better position than we are. Yeah.
0: Cause I, cause uh, I because Trey, that, that is how special I think they are. Yeah, I know I know Trey's is gonna is gonna get him right. He is that type of guy to feed his teammates. He's gonna he's gonna be aiding the development of whoever comes in to replace those guys really well. So I definitely do think that is the route that they should be going and I just yeah, I just hope they make a trade that looks good and sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be nice. Like, I, I definitely want to go. Ba- don't
1: want to go back to like lottery level teams. Mm, so, yeah. like, you know, I enjoy watching my team. At the end of the day, you know, it's so, like hopefully they keep it an enjoyable product when I put it in the arena. Like, guys, pe- people are still excited. You know, even though it's been a rough season, like there's still good energy in the arena. So,
2: yeah.
0: Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you taking your time out of your day uh, Talking some ball with me, bro. I appreciate it. You know, tune into his TikTok. Is is it D. Lee for three as well? Yeah, it is. All right. Yeah. T- yep. Tune into that because uh, that man's breakdowns are to a T. He's going to get you right on that basketball and But, yeah, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, bro. And thank you for reaching out to me, man. I
2: enjoyed talking with you. Sure.
0: Yeah, of course. Anytime. I hope, hope to do this again, man. For sure. For sure. And with that, we end this episode. Tune in next week for our next special guest on the Scoop podcast. And we'll see you there.
2: Peace.